Good morning, everybody. Hey, gang. My goodness, uh, so, many, so many small technical things adding up this morning. This is what happens when we leave our comfort zones. Somewhat. <laughs> I, I think we forgot to give Crowdcast a cup of coffee. No kidding. They could use some caffeine this morning, I think, maybe, eh? Oh, happy Dancing Wednesday, everybody, to everybody in the chat. Thanks for joining us as usual. That's brilliant. Um, you might notice in the background that Brent's got polka dots going on today. Maybe um, Brent I, I should... Do. Brent, take a second and tell us why that's uh, significant. Yeah, so um, we are doing an uh, a innovation and uh, game thinking, game design sort of summit workshop. I'm helping Carl, Dr. Carl Kopp, Kevin Thorne, and uh, Deborah Thomas that they put together. And part of the whole experience design is developing learning experiences inside of an unbelievable experience and a, just a crazy location. It, the whole entire gigantic house is themed games. And so we've, since uh, this particular room was open, nobody selected it. This is the twister room. And so the whole entire room is decorated in uh, twister fashion, everything around the walls and even right down to the extremely customized carpet. So you can actually play Twister all day long in your room. And, um, and then this is the funny part. So you know this spinner for Twister? It's the ceiling thing. <laughs> so you use this little poker stick here. And you, wait, let me see if I can point it up here. And then you get it up here on the dial and you spin the fan. Not sure if everybody can see that, how wide of a shot that is, but, and then wherever the spinner lands, that's where the players have to play. You guys know the game, right? So super fun. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it helps to be like Spider-Man or something to play, you know, up on the walls like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to use the walls in the game. I think you have to decide whether or not you're going to allow people to stick their foot on, you know, yellow <laughs> because it's closest to you I, I just don't know but uh yeah tons of fun every single room is themed differently there's a risk room there's escape rooms there's uh i'm in the miss pac-man room uh there's an xbox room there's uh i mean there's a lego room i mean it's just it goes on and on and on, and on. I'll, I'll be sharing a lot more about what's happening here this week later but Let's really get to cool. our guest this morning instead. Gosh darn it! <laughs> yeah, a lot of chatting, but I mean, you can't can't uh, can't deny the uh, appeal of that room. Holy cow! Yeah, we have the uh, the lovely, the amazing, um, and the very cool um, Kristen Safety Hayden with us here today. And if I mangled that, I apologize. That's fine. It's just a, a blur of names. Kristen Hayden Safety. Um, okay. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I think we're, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, tell us where you're joining us from here today. I am joining you from the WeWork at Grand Central Station. I um, have been in Philadelphia. Well, I've been in Chicago and then Minnesota and Philadelphia. Today's my last day of this 
vacation will work for you. Um, and then tomorrow we get to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and where is home? Remind us of that. Home is around DC. Okay. Um, Very cool. We met over at ATD when it was out by me this year and I was just you know, hanging around. Yeah, it was, and I was pretty sure that because uh, we were at ATD and we were chatting there, I was pretty sure that that's where you were, where your home base was more or less. Because I remember you talking about. I think you even gave us some um, traffic advice, maybe, because um, we were trying to head out to the airport and you told us to start early. Yes, yeah, the classic DC traffic advice: don't, don't drive. <laughs> yeah, well, we 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 did drive and we made it. Okay, as you know, it only took us three months to get home. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so we, um, we got a fairly broad amount of things to talk about uh, today. You shared in the chat earlier a link. Um, do we want to start with the link or, or where, where do we want to bring the link into the combo today? Sure. So I actually, I'll pop it back into the chat here, um, just in case we're a little hidden. So this, if you haven't gone to it, this is a mural board. This is something I work for a company called Motif. We work mostly remotely, so we do a lot of calls on Zoom and use a lot of mural boards to help us, you know, just kind of simulate working in a room with a whiteboard and with all the collaboration tools you're used to in person. So this is a great remote collaboration tool. But what I have here is, um, you go to the link, an empathy map. So I put in the middle, what do you, this, you're doing this on yourself, think, say, do, or feel when someone talks about design thinking. And that can be in any context, whether it's um, in an actual graphic design context or applied to instructional design as you hear it a little bit more lately. So um, it looks like some people have gone in and um, you start with the think section. One of the things I put in there is, does it replace Patty? Um, most of them seem very positive, which I'm glad to hear, but if you are doing that for my ego, don't. Um, an empathy map is a way that you get the truth out of people. So it's a way that you explore all of the complicated emotions that a person feels, everything that makes up their specific problem or their specific approach to a problem. So here the problem is we've been presented with design thinking and the emotions might be complex. They might be, this sounds fun. They also might be, this is scary. They also might be, I've heard a lot of weird things about this and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. So an empathy map like we're doing now collects all of those feelings. You can collect them from a bunch of different people or one person and then organize those thoughts into buckets um, or categories or affinity groups. So if everyone wants to take a minute, if you haven't added something in there, um, this is always a good start with design thinking. This also gives me a good sense of where the group's at. Um, and it is cool. probably a tool you've heard of, you've done. Um, have either of you, Chris or Brent, done an empathy map before? This is my first um, experience with this, with, and it, I'm, I'm kind of blown away by, first of all, the sheer level of action. <laughs> There's so many anonymous cats and penguins and bees and rhinos, which is really cool. Uh, um, but it's a really neat idea. I'm really kind of valuing the the, the breakdown of the, the four quadrants. Um, it kind of 
it's a really nice strong nudge that you can have sort of maybe a reaction on the outside and a reaction on the inside, for example. Um, yes, I really like, um, we did this once, we were putting together a training on proposal writing. And so what I did was I interviewed the people who um, typically led proposal teams. And we did an empathy map with each of them. We actually did something called a journey map that we overlaid an empathy map. So we took each step in the proposal process and we had them do a quick empathy map. So the, it might start with review a proposal. And what they're thinking is, I don't know if we're qualified to do this. I don't know that much about this topic. The time is really, really tight. I have a lot of other things going on. I really want to do this. And what they're saying is, okay, great, I'll do it. Um, so you you give people an opening to tell you the things that they might not otherwise feel comfortable telling you. Um, typically, if I'm working with someone who is open to this kind of thing, I'll let them fill it out themselves. Otherwise, I'll do it more in an interview style. So if I was working with learners, um, is great on developing training for nurses. And nurses have somewhat of a fraught relationship with training because a lot of it is compliance, a lot of it takes them out of what they're doing every day. Um, and so we built this based on interviews, research, external research, um, things like that, and ask the nurses to fill this out on their own. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go and read, because I know this will eventually be a podcast, so people can't quite read this. Um, so some of the things we have in what people are thinking is, makes me think of a TED Talk I love, like that everything connects to a TED Talk these days. Um, so are we talking design thinking, or does this person think we know? Um, that's interesting. I don't know if anyone wants to explain that one more in the chat. Um, one thing you can do if you use this tool internally and everyone's not an anonymous cat, um, it tells you who made a post it. So you can ask, hey, could you give me some more information about it? Um, so am I already working in design thinking without knowing it? Um, a little star next to that one in my head. Um, this could help me design better. Is it really going to be design thinking or are you trying to sell me your idea? <laughs> um, and then, not sure how much formal design background is needed. I'm not convinced. I'm glad someone put that one on that. Um, and then some of the things people are saying is, um, sounds interesting, not sure I've heard of it. What people are doing is listening a lot, um, learning for people, sharing the empathy map. Um, and then what people are feeling is enthusiastic. Um, lots of enthusiastics. Those are our people. <laughs> yeah, curious, um, perfect. So I'm gonna corner in on this thinking um, real fast because I find that one the most interesting. Um, so I wanted to start with kind of my broad overview that I usually give on what design thinking is. And um, the caveat there is that I usually say design thinking um, because that's the term most people know. But really what it is, is design thinking is one thing under the umbrella of human-centered design. Human-centered design, learner-centered design, pretty much means the same thing. And what it is, 
is just putting the user, the learner, work, as I'll talk about later, the problem that you're trying to solve in the center of what you're designing and going back to the whole time. So just centering it, starting with something like an empathy map or a customer journey and building out from there rather than building out from the content or the, um, you know, what the stakeholders ask for, which is what we never like to start out from, but really that's the case. Um, so design thinking is under the umbrella of human-centered design. Human-centered design is, in very broad terms, um, kind of ideating and iterating your way to a solution that might solve the problem and then testing it out. So there are a bunch of different processes. Um, design thinking is one. Service design is another. Um, that's designing you know, service or experience for people. I actually kind of like that better, but it's not as well known. So when you're talking about design thinking, people don't always know what it is. Um, so design thinking is really for thinking of user, figuring out what the problem is, and ideating your way to a solution. And the way you ideate your way to a solution is to have a lot of ideas um, to ideate, and then bring them back down to the best ideas, and then have a lot of ideas again about that idea that you kind of constructed yourself to bring it back out, and then bring it back in. Keep doing that until you've solved the problem or come up with a solution. So um, let's say we have a um, an issue. Do you guys want to throw out any sort of performance issue that you've come across or in the chat maybe? Um, someone has a performance issue that they're working on or even a um, problem in the field of training or learning and development. Let's see what folks throw into the chat. Um, yeah. Somebody, someone who's got a performance, uh, an idea of a performance issue, maybe something that you've actually been recently dealing with or trying to address in a project. Toss some ideas into the chat there, gang. This is the interactive yeah. part of today's session. <laughs> right, and while, while, while we're waiting for them to think and drop it into the chat, I finally got logged in and got connected to the link that you uh, that you sent, and so I'm I'm just kind of catching up late to the party a little bit. So there's the design thinking canvas template, the hero journey, the hero quest. Am I in the right spot? Is this where yeah. everybody's looking? Yes, if people have figured out how to put pictures in, which I love. Um, yeah, so which which one are they dropping pictures into? I'm not sure because there's I'm looking at the main area. So you are, well, do you know what animal you are? Uh, no, so well, well, which, I'm on the main templates page. Which one do I open to get connected to everybody? Oh, how did you get there? How did you do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know, they clicked the link and then I had to log in and a whole bunch of stuff like that. And so now I'm on the mode, Motive 2327 oh, okay. area. Let me look at all the templates and stuff. Let me go to the anonymous. Is there one called idiotic or something? Or? Yes. Yeah. Oh, let's see if I can find that. Um, wow, you've got a lot of them in here. Yes. 
Yes, I do. Um, oh, minimizing turnover at remote sites. I really like that. Um, Buddy had a good a good suggestion. So, um, so oh, request for customer service training, and then they use empathy maps to um, try to figure out what was behind the performance gaps. That's a really good use for it. Um, and this is kind of where I'll do my biggest caveat is that I'm very much not a purist. And I've also very strongly believed that a lot of these types of things were already doing as instructional designers. So I told, um, I said I was gonna star in my head Am I already working in design thinking without knowing it? Probably. Um, it's very similar. Um, a customer journey map, which is something that I mentioned before, is something where you take each thing that your customer or your learner is doing and just putting you know, one box for each thing that they're doing. That's a task analysis. We do that. Um, you can overlay an empathy map on top of it, like I said earlier example so that you can get a sense of what's behind their thought processes at each task um, but it's something that is already used in instructional design it's maybe not used with the same focus of um, you know centering on centering on the learner's experience so you might do a task analysis now as what should be done and you just need to make that switch to how individuals are doing it and how they're feeling while they do it. But a lot of these tools are things that we do. Um, so I think that knowing about design thinking, yeah, Caroline, it's just adapting new tools, knowing what's out there and adding them to your toolkit rather than saying, okay, well, I did adding before and now I do design thinking um, is the, the way to go with this kind of thing. Um, so Angela said um, she had a boss who was doing a lot of sympathizing instead of empathizing. Um, and then, and that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it because mm, yeah. saying, oh, I'm so sorry to do this. Learning. I know it's terrible. <laughs> when you're empathizing, you're really feeling how bad it is for them and trying to fix it for them. Um, okay, so let's, Go back to Buddy's example of minimizing turnover at remote sites. So tip, the kind of typical instructional design process for that would be to probably do a performance analysis and say, okay, what um, is going on? Where's the gap? What do we need to do to close that gap? Um, and then figuring out what type of intervention is used. That's kind of the high in the sky instructional design, instructional systems design way. Um, often we skip that analysis and when you get to what you've been asked to do, it's um, have better onboarding training so that people stop leaving. Um, give people more of something so they stop leaving. Um, so I think with this one, um, a place where you could start is if you're doing um, exit interviews, kind of pouring through those exit interviews and creating an empathy map based on those interviews. So filling in those, what people are thinking, what they're feeling, what they're doing, based on what you can glean from, glean from those interviews. 
Um, and then you have a good sense of the people who you're targeting. They're not actually the learners you're targeting, but you know, um, you know the, the end result if you don't do your job right. So the people who are having those feelings are the people who are leaving. So if you target those feelings, you know what you're trying to avoid and you can get to it earlier in the process. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I really like that you did bring up, you know, performance analysis and task analysis because something that I was reflecting on was we might uh, be able to some, and you know, have a, a a sense of oh, we're objectively observing what people should be, you know, doing. But the empathy map really helps us reveal the stuff that we can't see uh, in, in, from that perspective, uh, which is awfully important, you know, as context around, you know, what people need to do. Um, and the barriers maybe sometimes aren't just knowledge, et cetera, that there's other things that, uh, that, that this can help us reveal. That's really cool. Yeah, and there are a lot of um, things that seem really minor that you see people who are practicing design thinking or human-centered design doing. And there are things like giving people a um, stack of Post-it notes or stickies and Sharpie and saying, carry this around with you all the time during this session and write whatever you think and put it up on the board whenever you think it. So just keep with you. And as you have a thought, write it down. Um, another thing that you do when you're brainstorming or coming up with ideas is when you put that sticky up, if you feel comfortable with it, um, you just say what it is out loud. And that way, as people are coming up with their own ideas, they are hearing those other inputs and that helps them make new connections. So as you um, say, we're coming up with a bunch of reasons why um, there's a lot of turnover at remote sites. And actually, we can go ahead and I'm going to make a space for this um, over to the right of the empathy map. So um, let me make a big old square over here. And um, we're going to do some brainstorming and the best kind of brainstorming is absolute beginner's mind brainstorming. So we have no idea what is causing this turnover. We have no idea what these remote sites are doing. Um, so we are coming at this from the most beginner's mind. So think about um, and for those of you who are in the session or in the um, <clears throat> the link, you, if you scroll to the right, you'll now see what uh, what Kristen's adding to the process here. Yeah, mm -hmm. actually, I'm going to do a dirty mural trick and um, summon everyone. So now everyone has to follow me, and everyone got scooted over to this new. So what, um, tell me real quick, Kristen, what's the name of the particular file that you have open? The of mural, the mural, yeah. It is. It is. Are you on? Do you see a bunch where you are in your in your travels? Yeah, I, see, I see. I've scrolled down. I see ways of working worksheet. I see prioritization template. Okay. Yeah, you're on the okay. Okay, let's like, oh, org chart template, animal speed template. Yeah, you're not gonna see it there. Let me um. It was only recent message. Um, Sorry, I hate to be the one no. but <laughs> user. 
Um, okay, so I'm also going to, oh, it's not going to let me message you. It's okay. Don't, don't let me slow you down. Just go ahead and keep going. Well, I'm also going to share my screen. Um, I think that was a good idea. Well, that's good idea. Yeah. Why didn't we think of that, Chris? <laughs> well, I was thinking more about bandwidth, and I thought if I share my screen, I'm going to kill probably uh, my yeah. – anyway. Um, there is a question in the question. In using empathy maps like this, how do you prevent or weed out the anonymous trolling or unnecessary vitriol? So that's um, – I wouldn't try to weed it out. I would um, just go with it. So just leave it there. If you are doing a brainstorming session and you're getting a lot of bad ideas, that's fine because you're, um, you can just ignore them. You, once you um, have a bunch of ideas on the board, that's the ideation session. Everything just, you're not thinking um, what's feasible, what's viable, what nice, um, what's actually in keeping with the system that you're using. You're just thinking we get every idea And then um, that's the, it's usually referred to as the yes answer section. So if anyone's familiar with improv or the ideas behind improv, yes answer is just the um, principle that's the foundation of improv. And it's whatever someone says, you would say yes and you add it. So you take an idea and you just go with it. Um, eventually, you narrow down the post-its. That's the no but section. So then you say, this idea is full of material and mean. So we're not going to take this one. But you can just put it over in the corner with the other mean ones. So I wouldn't, um, I would try as much as possible to avoid um, even acknowledging it. Um, if someone is not on board with what you're doing, then they're not on board with what you're doing. If you have enough people who are, um, eventually it'll show its value. And if it doesn't, then maybe it's not the process that works for you and your organization. But um, yeah. in a difference, if you do start to get um, someone who's just not participating the way that you expected, are a lot of guardrails to them actually completely derailing the process. So um, if we go back to the mural, there, um, so I put in the beginning, how might we reduce turnover? This is another really important um, ideation tactic. So we're saying HMW, how might we? And how might we? brainstorming session, which is what we can do now, you are saying, how might we do the thing? It's not how should we or how could we, because those assume um, that it's something we want to do and we don't want it. Maybe we don't want to do these turnover. We just want to make it easier to deal with the impacts. Um, or how could we implies that the ideas we're coming up with are feasible. And right now they're not. How might we is if we wanted to do this, which we'll assume right now we do, how might we do it? What are some ways? So one way could be to um, pay people more. Maybe that's why people aren't reducing their um, 
and then you come up with as many things you could potentially do to solve the problem. Um, you can make them longer, have more constraints, like how might we reduce turnover in ways that don't cost any money, in ways that put over budget, in ways that don't require any travel. Um, that limits ability for senior managers to even go you know, more often or anything like that. Um, so how might we is a tool, and this is an example of if someone comes in here and says, um, you know, stop doing stupid sticky note activities, then that's fine because that's on them and we don't even have to move that city over to the next phase. The phase after this is um, usually voting or picking the city that seem to have the most viable or the most interesting to explore further and stop doing stupid activities. Isn't that viable an idea for reducing burner? So that's why. Or it is. It may be a good point. Uh, so I'm going to give, Brett, are you seeing the, um, the screen? Yeah, it, hasn't, it hasn't refreshed yet. And, and your audio has gotten a little bit choppy for me, and I lost the video for Chris. So, so I toggled my video off to try to maybe make the whole thing a bit more friendly bandwidth-wise. Ah, uh, maybe I should do that too. I think um, partly we're struggling with um, with with Kristen's internet uh, at the WeWork location. Maybe it's probably a contributing factor to this. So yeah, it looks like she's frozen now too for me. Okay. Well, if I'm screen sharing, I might as well turn my video off. Yeah. So maybe Kristen, pop. Uh, let's let's flip out of screen sharing um, and and just bring yourself back onto the screen. Um, and let people do their thing in the mural. Oh, there's Brent all over. Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Cool. Um, okay. Put myself so back. Is my audio okay? That's the most important thing. Yeah. It's much better now, yep. Okay, that's so funny. I thought I was gonna reduce the bandwidth requirements with screen sharing, but Nope. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, we've had that experience before where the screen sharing ends up being a, 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 a more of a challenge. So yeah, it is what it is. It's actually okay. When we when I do things like this, I try to not actually share the mural because it gets very confusing when you're trying to work on the screen that's also being shared because one of them you can't work on and you just keep flipping back and forth. Um, so hopefully everyone who wants to get on it can get on it. And if not, I'm going to read a couple of the um, stickies because we're getting a lot of ideas, which is perfect. So um, yeah, and it looks like I was just Jennifer was just mentioning that uh, even though everything's kind of slow here, there's about 20 people inside of the mural working and and doing what the mural is meant to do. So it's perfect. I'm super glad everybody's in there uh, mm -hmm. and, and experiencing it. That's what this was for. So awesome. Yeah, we have um, an idea of creating a mentoring program, um, teaming people up on projects. And that's something where um, I think our beginner's mind is, um, uh, is helpful because a remote site, 
I'm thinking of um, an example here of Panera, just because they've been in the news for having really high turnover. Uh, you know, the remote sites would be the restaurants. So if I knew going in, this is about Panera, teaming people up on projects would seem weird. Like, is the project making a sandwich? Is the project, you know, working on a cash register? But with that idea, it actually, it, it gives other ideas like, you know, pairing people together on tasks that maybe seem like they require one person, but having two people could be useful. I wouldn't have come at that idea with Panera in my head, but this person, I don't think has Panera in their head. So they come up with that team people up on projects. If we were doing this in person, they said that out loud, I would probably pick up on the idea on the word projects and think, oh, okay, like say everything they're doing is a tiny project. We could team people up. Um, and that's what I was saying earlier about saying, talking out loud as you do this. Um, doesn't help with the vitriol with people, but it does help with the creating those connections as you go. Um, so I have play to employee strengths. I like that a lot. Um, provide free candy, training for managers, um, communication, encourage team family projects, um, allow time off in lieu, find out what drives employees, focus groups, communicate the why. Um, so none of these are, except maybe create a mentoring program, are give, provide more training, um, unless I'm missing. But that's good. None of them are, you know, have a training program, even improve onboarding, which might be a place you would go. Um, <laughs> free candy solves all problems. Um, so if everyone um, is, Let's say everyone can be done with this. Um, I'm going to do a voting session. This is another very common um, design thinking, human-centered design tool that also um, requires a little bit of explanation. So everyone should have a thing that a voting session is running. So everyone clicks on the um, stickies that they think are the best ideas. So in a design sprint, you do a lot of voting typically. A design sprint is a structured activity to um, do this kind of ideation, construction, work, prototype, the, the things you think of when you think of design thinking usually. Voting is um, controversial because it can, especially when you're voting in person, as you see a dot go on a sticky, usually you use those tiny little colored dots, then all of the um, attention goes to that sticky. It has a little bit of a peer bias factor. Mural, um, this online board doesn't have that because the voting is blind. So that's a benefit of this, but if you're doing it in person, one thing that I really like, um, a suggestion that I heard a while ago, is to have people vote on their two favorite and one or two of the most surprising. So um, here, I was surprised by team people up on projects. So I'm gonna vote on that because that wasn't something that I thought of. 
So it's worth exploring a little bit more. Um, so I'm gonna vote online and then on voting in a bit. And then So we did an example of the yes and section um, where you can have ideas like bring your dog to work day and no one's sitting there saying, well, it's a restaurant, so maybe we shouldn't have dogs. Um, they just let all those things go past. Um, another thing that we can do, and I'll do it, and I won't do it while we're voting because then I'll be moving things around, is organize similar stickies together, which is um, called affinitizing. And it is something that instructional designers are amazing at because it's chunky. It's just saying, okay, focus groups and um, finding out what drives people, those are similar, let's put them together. It's taking all the information and categorizing it. And it's um, that's a place where we really shine. So, um, so <laughs> Um, Josh had asked, can we see others' votes as they come in? You cannot. You see all the votes at the end when I end the voting session, but you can't see them as they come in, which, um, like I said, I actually really like. So we don't need a perfect vote, so I'm just going to end the voting session. Um, end it for everyone. And we have a pretty clear winner. So appreciate more and recognize their work. So from all of those ideas, everyone just put down everything they could think of in the time given. We have um, you know, some clear winners and some things that we can just save for later um, because there are still ideas that are valid and might be useful later. But now we know what to explore. Now we know that everyone in the room kind of converged on this idea of appreciating more or recognizing people's work more. Um, you can also take these because they each got four votes, but um, just for the demonstration, I'm gonna copy this sticky and then I'm gonna make this screen much bigger. Um, yeah, and while you're while you're doing that, let me just uh, say we're we're probably coming up on the end of our time here, and we probably need to wrap up just a little bit. But this is great. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me that I take away from a tool like Mural and and going through the empathy mapping process is that finally we have a, a tool and a process for dealing with the soft skills that everybody complains about so much, right? And, uh, how do we train them or how do we talk about them or how do we get better at addressing them and, and, and bringing them to the table? This is a great tool to finally be able to, to do that. Yes. Um, so I, I really like talking about it and I very specifically don't talk about it in terms of um, like, this is what the process is. This is the process you do. Because I don't know if that's as helpful for instructional design. Something that's really helpful for instructional design is the way that this can supplement existing work. So you have a performance issue, you're in a meeting and everyone's just going back and forth about what they think the problem is. You can stop the meeting. I do this 
your day um, and say, okay, I want everyone to take five minutes and pretend you're the person who's doing this work. Put down stickies for what your what you think the problem is. So we're in this room saying the problem is that you don't know how to use the tools. Say you're that person. What do you think the problem is? And then you put the stickies out and it just, it helps to realign the conversation. You can go through the whole design sprint. You know, we can talk at length about that. Or you can just put in these ideas into your everyday work because essentially instructional design is very similar to design thinking. Instructional systems design overlaps as well. So, yeah. Well, one of the one of the sticky notes on the empathy map was something like, "Does this replace Addy?" Um, and I think what just having you know watched a little bit of this, I think we can see that there's lots of parallels. No matter, I mean, analysis. You know, the first letter A. Well, this is you know another toolkit uh, that you can you can use as part of of that process. There's it's certainly not um, you know obliviating things that we're already you know doing and, and etc. Um, has a lot of uh, value and parallels with that. And I was just thinking too, the, I mean, a lot of times we talk about creating learner personas and this is a great process, I think, for gathering that kind of, uh, you know, stuff as well with, you know, helping, taking something that maybe you already do, but doing it, uh, coming at it a different way or supplementing or even improving upon that kind of a thing too. Yes, Bianca Woods has um, put together a slide, I'll try to dig it up, but it um, talks about which parts of design thinking, which phases of the design thinking process are most useful in which phase of Addy. So it's it's not a one-to-one -one replacement. You can, through an analysis phase in Addy, go through a whole design sprint to come up with the performance problem that you think you should focus on or the um, you know, learners who you think you are dealing with. Um, so it's definitely not a one-to-one -one replacement. I put that in there because that's one of the most um, frustrating misconceptions. Design thinking is trying to replace that. So where can people get a hold of you, Kristen, if they want to talk to you more? They can um, find me on Twitter at Kristen Learning. Um, I'm also at DevLearn. I'm doing a session um, that's kind of a similar, a very um, interactive session about using design thinking to identify performance issues. Very cool. We're also at DevLearn, and I'm just going to pop in a quick link here because uh, we're doing idiotic live from DevLearn uh, the week of, and we would love it if folks were going to uh, be able to join us and hang out for that. So there's that. We have a bright setup for that. Um, it's not a commitment. There's no money involved either, but it helps us understand, well, you know, how much coffee we need to figure out how to bring, et cetera. So uh, um, we've also got an Ottawa idiotic meetup happening um, right before DevLearn, uh, focusing on video. We're going to have Brent joining us to, to kick our day off uh, virtually on that, plus some workstations where people can get to, um, get to get some hands-ish on-ish uh, experience of some of the video tools and stuff too. So, so lots of things going on. Um, all kinds of different happenings, but DevLearn is going to be uh, DevLearn is going to be its usual amazing, amazing event. So, yeah, and as usual, everybody can just find out more. Just go to idiodc.com, and everything is there about idiotic. Everything you need is there. So, Kristen, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's tons of fun. Thank you for Very cool. Me. Really, really appreciate it. Let's dance our way out of here. There we go. Thank you.